Hey. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast, I Totally Relate. I'm Rissy. And I'm Shelves. And we hope you guys can totally relate. Everybody, we are so excited that you are joining us for our first podcast, our first episode. So this podcast is going to include conversations that range from a whole bunch of topics such as body image, meditations, feminism, or like that feminine energy, self-love, self-love, the emotion of anger, Mm -hmm. and lots more. Okay. We have both spent the last couple of years doing our personal work. Personal work to us means you know, like addressing our own traumas, confronting our fears, mm-hmm. doing our shadow work. Oh yeah. Shelby, what the heck is shadow work? Can you explain and like help us understand like what is shadow work? What does that mean to you? What does that look like? Yeah, okay. So I feel like ultimately shadow work would be um, looking in places that you don't want to look. Um, Carl Jung, he is a therapist. He really helped. He's like the father of mental health. And um, he says, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. And I think that just kind of piggybacking off of that is mostly like shadow work would be all of those things that you don't want to look at, the, the cave that you don't want to go in is where you're going to find that treasure. So shadow work would essentially be by looking at the places that you don't want to look, acknowledging it, pouring light into it, and um, yeah, I guess just love and compassion through that shadow work. Mm, okay, I love that. Also, part of our personal work is identifying like our own and that's actually part of it, like that negative, those negative behaviors that mm-hmm. we um, exhibit and being able to learn how to respond to the challenges of life from a healthier mindset. Absolutely. Um, I think another really important aspect of personal work, which I didn't know or understand at first, but after after spending some time on my own journey, realizing that being in touch with or like even just feeling like... Um, my own spirituality like that's part of the personal work too absolutely yeah yeah that spirituality or that like diving deep um mostly just that connection to self right I think that um ultimately I want not only for myself and those around me and all of the listeners is to find their true authentic self and if there's any words or stories or experiences that we can um, maybe start a conversation with that can help in that healing journey, maybe make it easier, um, more accessible, or even just be that coach that like you got this right um using that yeah because we are just two girls on our own journey absolutely we're not experts we're not perfectionists nope (laughs) not at all (laughs) we're just doing our own work and we want to like invite others to like partake in like kind of the gift that we are receiving through doing this really hard uncomfortable yes yeah Okay, so after spending so much time doing our own personal work, it turns out that we have a lot to say. Mm-hmm. Surprise! <laughs> so we want to share learnings and insights. We want to invite others to join us in this awakening, awakening and learning, and we want to start the conversation for you. So, like, we don't have all of the answers, 
But we want to just like plant some of these questions so that, I don't know, maybe you have some of these conversations within your own family or within your friend group or just even with yourself. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes just like that ob- observation within, right? Like observe your own self. Come like come to your own conclusion. Take what you like and leave what you don't. Yes. Mm, right on, girl. Um, okay, so yeah, we just want to help share resources to help you on your journey of becoming your best self or, in the words of Alicia Keys, becoming more, more yourself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so there's lots of conversation and self-reflection. We realize that there's someone specifically that we have a message mm. for. Our younger selves. Oh, poor Shelby. <laughs> Poor Carissa, for reals, actually, <laughs> looking back and thinking like, oh, yeah, like the, a lot of the things that we want to say and that we want to share are really um, a message to our younger selves and like things that we wish that we would have understood or learned or heard or have been able to process at um, a prior time in our life. And so yeah, if this resonates with you. Awesome. Um, But really, this is for our younger self. So we have a deep understanding of a unique message for the young women that we were in the past. Absolutely. This podcast will be a platform for us to speak our truths and to share that message that we wish somebody would have shared with us. So we have a specific and clear message today. And the overarching theme of this podcast will be finding that balance of feminine energy that allows for us to find emotional well-being. So with that being said, each of us have written a letter to our younger selves. So we're going to get started with just reading that message we want to share. Okay. How are you feeling so far? Good? I feel wine is doing great. The wine is working fine. (laughs) The sunset blush is on point tonight. Yes. (laughs) Um, Okay. So Tim, I'm going to read this letter to my younger self. Don't push buttons. We'll just delete this part and it's fine. Um, (laughs) Don't be alarmed. Don't be scared. Don't, don't judge me. This is a a letter to my younger self. Okay. This letter is written to me three years ago. Life feels so out of control. Yet, you know you're still one of the luckiest ladies alive. But still, something feels lost, and you yearn for a life that is so much more beautiful. Trust yourself, girl. Be skeptical. Follow your gut. Stay curious. And don't be afraid to push a little. Trust yourself. The hurt is so big, it's almost going to swallow you whole. In fact, maybe it does. You're going to lose a sense of who you are. You won't want to move from the couch for days. The fear will be so strong. But you, you're stronger. So stay there with your fear. Don't run. Don't numb. Don't escape. Because right on the other side of your fear, fear, because right on the other side of your fear is your purpose. So trust yourself. You will find your inspiration. You'll find a path to your inner self. You will find your superpower, empathy. Dun dun. You will feel compassion at depths that you cannot imagine. You will find a group of friends that you will connect with on a level that you never thought you could trust women like this before. You will find answers to your parenting questions. You will feel intimacy with Tim that you didn't know possible. So trust yourself. People are going to hurt you. 
But it's the price that you pay for having an open heart, and it's worth it, so stay brave. You will learn to see others with understanding, listen to your intuition, and uphold your boundaries. Trust yourself. You cannot imagine what's in store for you. All you gotta do is find stillness. Don't run, don't numb. Just trust yourself. Wow. That's what I would, like if I could go back and tell that girl who is fearful or scared or hurt, like the thing that I have learned after experiencing all this that I wish I had that foresight before, it would be like, Mm. yeah, it's uncomfortable. But trust yourself because you're going to find something that you didn't know possible. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's also interesting to this, like, leaning into the discomfort. Um, when I was younger, I felt like there was this, if it's uncomfortable, run. Like, get away from it, right? And I think that as I've gotten older, if you can lean into the discomfort, if you can ask yourself those questions, um and kind of analyze it a little bit more I um, and find that trust within. Like that trusting yourself is super key that my younger self didn't have that either. I definitely feel that. Yeah. Do you feel like you kind of received the message? I mean, I feel like I did. I felt like I, I got the message that like I should be trusting other people above myself. Did you feel like you kind of got that message too? Yeah, I would say that my younger self definitely felt that the answers were outside of myself. That society had the answers or, um, you know, whoever, even my friends. My friends had a better answer than what I did. Um, So I really like that touching on that trust of yourself because – you got to know who you are, right? Like you've got to know what your boundaries are and your trajectory, essentially, um, what that would be. And then to follow that and to not sway. Um, My younger self definitely felt that I wasn't qualified enough Mm. to have the answers. Um, So that's definitely been a part of my journey as well, is that trust. Yeah. Do you want to read anything or do you want to keep going? Yeah. Well, I was wondering, um, like, how do you think you found that trust? Because obviously, like, through your letter, I feel like it was it was trust. That trust in yourself. Um, is there a reason that you learned to distrust yourself? And is there maybe a simple tool, maybe not simple, but a common denominator that helped you find that trust? Yeah. Um, okay. So why, like, where did I learn? Where did I hear that? I think a lot of it actually came um, through um, like religion and also family dynamics. So with religion, it was like somebody outside of myself held the answers or like mm. revelation for me. Yeah. And so, and like, I maybe felt like um, the bad character in the story. And so I had to like look to somebody else um, to have more honest answers for myself versus, I don't know, that I know my own truth. Yeah. Um, And also the, you know, the same thing in like family dynamics, feeling like, um, you know, like that's not how it's been done in my family. Like parents know best or like, Mm. um, yeah, like that's not how our family operates. Yeah. So really kind of getting um, these silent messages of maybe I'm not – 
the good character in my story like I want to be. Maybe I'm the bad character, and so I need to, like, be looking outside of myself to find the next right thing for me to do mm. um, so that I don't disappoint or let people down. Mm. Um, but you didn't mind letting yourself down. Yeah. Interesting. I don't think I knew that I was. I didn't I don't think I knew that I knew that that was an option. Okay. I think I thought like, "Okay, if everyone else is happy, then I'll be happy." And mm. so yeah, I don't think that the, I knew that that was an option that I was letting myself down. Um and I think the tool that I used to to find that truth it was journaling like 100% like um, journaling was a tool like when I could like write my like write my thoughts down I had to finish my thought a lot of times I feel like in my mind like my thoughts can like circle so fast yep that like I don't even have to finish a sentence before I'm like on to the next right uh-huh and so when I was journaling I had to like finish my sentence completely before I could like move on to ne- the next thing and then going back and reading what I wrote just being like oh my gosh, I didn't even know that that was in my mind or that was the story I was telling myself until I saw it on paper in front of me. Right. Or knowing that like, oh, I actually have like a yearning or like a wanting for something different that I didn't know was an option for me until I saw it on paper and thinking, oh yeah, dude, that's what I want. Like that's, um, yeah, well, that's what I want. Well, because writing is a super powerful tool though, right? Like, because I would agree with you. I would I would agree that a lot of my journey has involved journaling. Yeah. And um, like, I, I just think that there's magic when pen um, meets paper because your, your hand is physically writing the thoughts that you're thinking and is creating something tangible, mm. almost making it last. Um, there's lots of research uh, on writing and what that does, um, as well as like with the law of attraction and all sorts of stuff. But I would agree with you that seeing my thoughts written on paper or um, – yeah, just like something solid and tangible really helped me see a direction that I was heading to maybe or Yeah. That like it's kind of hard to see that when you're just feeling. When you just feel Yeah. The feeling it kind of like envelops you and is um it's just really strong. So it's hard for you to like see direction, but when you like see it on paper you're like, "Oh my gosh, that's what Yeah. That's what I feel." Versus feeling what you feel. Absolutely. And like, oh, that's what I want. Right. I just, I just wrote it down. I just wrote it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think that um, a lot of the journey that I experienced of part of my uh, waking up, if you will, um, involved this moment of nobody's going to come and do the work for you. Mm. Like, I just kept on, I think I just kept on waiting. I felt like I was waiting. I was waiting for my life to start. When am I going to wake up? When does this start for me? Um, And I was noticing, I think that when you're a little down on yourself, you tend to notice other people's success and you only highlight your failure. Yeah. And I, I just felt constantly... I was failing. That's that was my overarching theme of my young 20s was I'm a failure and I had this realization that nobody was going to do it for me. Like I have to do the work. Um and so that's kind of like what kick started me, but 
Mine maybe wasn't totally journaling, but it was affirmations. Um, Mm. My coworker had pointed out to me um, how negatively I spoke of myself, whether it was self-deprecating humor or if I dropped my phone, you know, saying something like, oh, I'm just so stupid or whatever it was. It always seemed to have like this negative um, attachment towards it and when my coworker said it to me, it wasn't judgmental. She wasn't putting me on blast. It was a statement and it took me back a little bit. And she was somebody that I really looked up to. She um, just was a very happy, um, had this awesome energy to her. You wanted to be around her. And so when she told me that, there was a level of truth. And I had that distrust in myself. And so if somebody like my friend could look at me and see that, then, well, it must be true, right? And so I did that, like, observation within myself. And um, I forget who shared it, but there is this idea of it takes three positives to counteract a negative a negative statement. And so uh, she encouraged me, just if you catch yourself saying something negative, like, try to say three positive things. And so that was kind of the beginning of mine. It was saying statements out loud, saying things like, I am beautiful. That felt so scary. It felt so um, false, felt like an imposter. But the more that I wrote affirmations, the, the more that I went down my journey. And then other things started coming into play. But I would say it was affirmation writing for me. That was, that was really powerful to see um, good things written on paper from my handwriting when the thoughts that I were thinking were very, um, very different than what I was writing. So that was definitely something that shaped the narrative. It changed my narrative. Yeah. Um, what, okay, so you, and you said like the, the most powerful message or like that realization you had was no one's going to do this for you. Mm-hmm. So when you felt like no one's going to do this for you, like what did you have pictured for yourself? Like what what life or like um, aspiration did you have that you're like, man, if I want that, like I'm going to have to do it. Like this is the person, this is a vessel that's going to get me to that point. Yeah, I think that I don't necessarily think that I've had a vision of exactly what that looks like, but I've had a idea of the feeling. Um, And the feeling is that I wanted to be secure in myself. I wanted to, I was going to college, but I don't think I was, um, I I was a great student, but I wanted to be successful in that way. I wanted to be academically uh, challenged. Um, I wanted to be intelligent and uh, creative. And I wasn't going to find those things if I wasn't putting myself out there. I wasn't going to find more clients if I wasn't going to market or advertise myself. Um, But I think that mostly it was, I don't, I was living in such a state of negativity that I, I feel that there was something inside of me that was just whispering there's something more. And I had to listen to that. And it was... Well, if I want more, then I need to do it. And I also, I think that I went through a really dark period and um, just confusing um, as far as 
being uncomfortable in my own skin, not feeling accepted, not necessarily knowing where I'm going um, in a career path. I have a couple of friends who had a very uh, straightforward career path. I'm going to mm. graduate with this bachelor's degree and then I'm moving forward, I'm getting this master's degree and I'll be an accountant or I'll be a sports therapist or you know whatever it was. And I've just never felt that I had this perfect, beautiful end goal. Um, I've always been like, well, I think I like this and um, maybe a little bit more explorative. But um, yeah, I wanted this security and I didn't have that in my own skin. And I was, I felt dark. I felt heavy. And um, so for me, taking control of nobody's going to do this for you was turning to therapy. I um, reached out to a therapist um, and I'm a huge advocate for mental wellness, emotional well-being, um, therapy, counseling. Um, I definitely support that. That has been a huge part of my journey. But that was a very big um, moment of choosing Shelby. That was a mm -hmm. this isn't working for you anymore. And I was a little bit ashamed about it. I didn't tell anybody. I think I told maybe one friend. And she encouraged me. She She's great. Um, but that was my way of taking control was I'm going to go to therapy and um, get the tools because my mom has always used a tool belt analogy, like get more tools and share your tools. Like if um, if somebody needs help, offer them like the advice or like your point of view. And that's a tool. And so I felt, if anything, I'll get more tools. I'll learn how to deal with these scenarios or these thoughts that I have in my head. Um, so yeah, affirmations and then taking control for me was therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, okay, so I feel like um, we're – I feel like – we're kind of at this turning point in our generation. Maybe it's because we're reaching an age of maturity and so we're seeing mm. we're seeing things differently or we're um, yeah, like maybe just having bringing a little bit more wisdom to our situations. Um, I also feel like as a society we're kind of like turning a corner. Mm. I think like Brene Brown is like a big helper in this like talking about shame, giving us Love her. labels and, and names yes. and words. Um but prior to prior to that, like, I don't know. Do you feel like this was um, available to us? Like, the reason why we want to have a podcast and share a message with our younger selves, like, do you think this message was out there? Or do you think um, it was and we just didn't know? Yeah, so I don't think that it was common knowledge. So now I'm aware of, like, Louise Hay, and she was around in, like, the 70s and 80s. Um, she, if you haven't read her book, um, You Can Heal Your Life, 100% mm. recommend. Um, but yeah, she's really big on like affirmations and manifestation. But it wasn't well known. Um, I don't think that it – therapy was very shameful in my mind still. Um, I think that it was a little bit more acceptable or acceptable at our younger age age but I don't think that it was um 
widely publicized or accessible for others. Like I really had to search to find like therapy. Like that wasn't a, it wasn't a simple process for me. Um, And I didn't, yeah, maybe it was like there was a little bit of stigma around it, but no, I don't think that it was as easily accessible or supported the way that it is um, today. Yeah. Yeah, and I like, think that our generation has had a huge part of that, though, right? Like, yeah. like here I am speaking up about it because, you know, that 21-year-old Shelby really needed that. And I think that had there been more conversation um, or less stigma uh, around it, yeah. So yes and no. I think that it's widely more accessible now, but I do think that there was some work that we could have found when we were younger, but... I kind of also think that we were in the the, the sad girl era, the emo era. I think <laughs> oh that gosh, kind of like yes. embodies us a little bit. Yeah. So there was that that we were combating maybe too. Yeah. Um, okay. I remember we have talked about this a little bit before and you had, t- you had brought up. Growth mindset versus yes, fixed it. mindset. Yes. It's like please, my favorite conversation. Yeah, please tell me more about this. Like what is growth mindset? What is fixed mindset? Like why? Tell me about this. Like, yeah. Okay. So, um, well, a growth mindset is exactly, um, would be growing, expanding, and a fixed mindset would be. Uh, like you've already arrived at the destination. Like the thing to know is already known. So let's say that – so an example of growth mindset would be um, – or okay, let's say an example of fixed mindset would be I already know that. Like let's say you've t- set a story or you've – you've said something and it's like, I've already known that. So I don't need to learn anymore. I can turn off. I already know. So it's always a student, never the expert is a growth mindset. Like you're constantly learning, you're constantly taking away, uh, reevaluating. And then you're also giving yourself that grace or the ability to change your mind because you've grown. Um, growth is not linear. Um, and so, yeah, that so for me, I would I would say that I had a very fixed mindset when I was younger. I had a very black and white thinking. It was the way that it was. There was right and wrong and there was no room for. Uh, yeah, there was no wiggle room for that. But like a growth mindset would be, oh, well, my, my opinion used to be um, X and because I've done research or I've learned or changed my views in whatever way my view is now Z um so yeah that growth mindset I forget who coined it I'd have to look that up really quickly um but that really helped me is taking on that growth mindset so eliminating I already know this or um yeah like been there done that just to always learn yeah um, as you're explaining that, I feel like that definitely resonates with me. I think that might be possibly like a familial quality. <laughs> Ayo. <laughs> um, which is fine. Um, and also, yeah, I think that as I have gone on my journey more, feeling like I actually love learning. Yeah. I love learning. Yeah. I want to like read all the books and listen to all – the podcasts that talk about history or like this idea or that idea, like I actually really like learning, but totally. 
growing up, I was like, oh man, I cannot wait to be done with school. I can't wait to graduate. Like, check, I'm going to be done with that. I'm going to know all the things, have all the skills. I'm going to move on. Like, there's like a moving on from Mm -hmm. learning. Yep. And um, yeah, that idea of never, like, not having to be perfect or not attaining perfectionism and just being able to flow through growth. Yeah. Really, I like that. Yeah, as you were saying, I'm like, oh, gee, hmm, I might know something about that. <laughs> this is ringing a bell. <laughs> yeah, that um, that has been a huge uh, transition of mind for me is to, um, okay, so I am a, a yoga teacher and I've been certified for 500 hours and I did my 200 hour and my 300 hour at the same studio and um, during our teacher training we had a a meditation guru or coach that came in once a week so during my 200 hour we had um, this meditation coach and then when I did my 300 hour it was the same meditation coach teaching the same material and I could have gone into that with I already know this check did this 100 hours ago have yeah seriously right like I have I have this packet I have all of the notes I have all of the tools um, that he's given but I'm he like we touched on that a little bit that shedding that um, fixed mindset and to come at this with fresh eyes and the second time around was mind-blowing expansive um so it was really interesting that I got more from it in my 300 hour than I did in my 200 hour but I not because not because I was in a different mindset in my 300 hour, but because on top of like rereading a material, like if you reread a book, you catch more of the story or, um, yeah. So that was, that yeah, directly benefited from, you know, releasing that fixed mindset to that growth mindset. Yeah. I love that you brought that up. I think I'm going to like reference this multiple times throughout our podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a term I like to use for that. It's called Uh, leveling up like ooh, you just leveled up ooh, I love that meaning like okay so let's picture you're playing Mario okay and level one you're like running you're like getting the coins you're jumping on the mushroom tops you're like getting to the flag okay cool sweet level one completed level two you're doing the same thing but it's a little bit harder yeah and so I feel like life kind of teaches us that all the time like we're kind of going through a lot of the same motions or like okay you're he's gonna your guru is gonna talk about the same concept but now you're gonna see it from a new perspective and like boom girl you just leveled up (laughs) level nine's harder than level three okay let's be honest even though you're you're a lot of the same like a lot of the same motions a lot of the same concepts and ideas so yeah um i i kind of reference that in my life like oh snap we just leveled up (laughs) See, it's good though, right? Though, because when I was younger, it was, well, that's my opinion. You're not changing it. I'm not even listening to this conversation um, because I don't believe that. I was very uh, timid of different mindsets, maybe. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that was like a big journey for me. And I don't think I do that. Uh, gracefully all the time. I think that it's still a learning experience. But when I can look back on that is how am I looking at this? Am I looking at this like 
open-mindedly or am I being closed off? Am I being a little bit stubborn? And I can be stubborn. I can stick my heels in and it takes me uh, a little bit. And sometimes it takes me a long, a long time. Sometimes it takes me years. Once again, familial quality. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Carissa and I uh, are cousins, but kind of sisters. We grew up in the same house for a period of time. A couple different times. A couple different times. Our families have lived with one another. Um, Lots of ups and downs, but we are here today. We are doing it. It feels good. Yeah. Feels good. It feels really good. Um. Okay, so I think another quality that you had said in your letter um, that I really resonated with was stillness. Mm -hmm. Um, Finding that stillness and what does stillness mean to you, right? Um, So the biggest thing that I can remember uh, about my younger self was my inability to be alone. I was always with somebody. I would, I mean, my friends used to laugh and joke with me all the time because I (laughs) would literally ask my friends to come over to sit on my bed as I got ready to go out for whatever we were doing. Like, I couldn't even get ready for the day without one of my friends with me. Like, oh, poor shell. But pause. I got to interject real quick. Sorry. We may or may not leave this in. Tim, does this sound familiar to you? Do you know how many times I've been like, <laughs> I just, I just like don't like to be alone. Like how yeah, many times I've said like. I just like, don't want to be alone. I don't like to be alone. Like I like, I, and I, I truly am an extrovert and that is like a good quality. Absolutely. Yeah, but 100%. There, but there is this level of like, I don't want to be alone. Is this sounding familiar to you? Yeah. So I think that there, um, like I remember saying things like alone time is so overrated. Like that was, um, so I have a friend and she is truly introverted. Like she just loves her alone time. She loves being with her thoughts. She loves contemplation. And she would always express her love of her alone time and like the way that she filled it up, whether it was taking a bath or painting or, I mean, I don't know whatever she did, but I just, what do people do in their alone time? (laughs) I just remember being like, oh, Carly, that's really great. Uh, I think being alone is overrated and I don't need it. I'm just a person who doesn't need to be alone. And it was wrong. I was just a person that was afraid of being alone. And that was because I didn't have control of my mind. I didn't have control of my thoughts. Um, I was repeating a victim narrative. Um, I believed that the answers were outside of myself. My dad, uh, my sister, and my mom all have this beautiful tattoo that says, um, seek nothing outside of yourself. And it's, um, my dad's a jujitsu guy, and he it's some, like, jujitsu guru man who says this, and my dad just loves him. And But I, re- I really do love that. It's taken me a long time to recognize the truth in that statement. Um, but... Yeah, I definitely was afraid to sit with my thoughts. Um, And when I was alone was when my thoughts became the most heavy and the most scary. And so I felt I felt I didn't trust myself, right? Like I didn't trust myself when I was alone. I didn't trust the thoughts that came up or the feelings that I had and the discomfort that I was experiencing. Um, But 
through mindfulness and meditation, I have learned the gift of stillness and that that is always there. There is a um, TED Talk by Jill Bolte-Taylor, and um, she explains her experience of having a stroke while she's also like a brain um, scientist or something. So she had all of this knowledge of the brain. And so while she was having a stroke, oh my gosh, it's a beautiful TED Talk. You have to look it up. It's insane. We'll put it in the show notes. Absolutely. Um, But she is talking about this, um, she's explaining her experience of the stroke, but while she's doing this, for lack of a better word, she's talking about this mind that is always on the hamster wheel. And that's what I would say that I constantly lived in in my younger state, um, or I was always in my sympathetic nervous system, which is your fight or flight, that hamster wheel, that constantly going, that constantly thinking. And I think that there is a level where that serves you, but stillness is choosing to step off of that hamster wheel and to sit with yourself, or as Jill Bolte Taylor coins it, is stepping into nirvana, that oneness, this I am a part of everything collectively. But I'm also a single individual. I'm also my own person and I have my own ambitions. But then when I step off of the wheel, I am connected. I am one. And um, that's kind of this idea of stillness, right? Is this ability to step off of the hamster wheel, to step outside of your thoughts and to sit with yourself. And that was never a gift that I explored or experienced as a younger adult, but has been hands down the most important tool um, in my journey of healing is mindfulness and stillness. And I find that through meditation, through yoga. Um, But I don't believe that's the only way that you have to find it. I do believe that... um, Meditation is for everyone and um, everybody should seek that. But sometimes we say meditation, but meditation could be driving in the car in silence with your thoughts like that. That could be meditation. It doesn't have to be this sitting cross-legged with, you know, Tibetan singing bowls or crystal bowls singing, you know, like there is like it doesn't have to have that expectation. But that that level of stillness, that ability to step off the hamster wheel and to sit with your thoughts and um, when I was younger, I didn't have that mind control. So when I wanted to step off the hamster wheel, I couldn't. And, you know, so I think of like the funny YouTube video where the wheel is still going and the hamster is like banging the, itself the, like the, around. The, yeah. <laughs> That's kind of like the, the vision that I have of my younger self. But it's, it's choosing to say this isn't serving me and stepping outside of that and, and, and um, taking on the role of the observer maybe. Yeah. Oh. Amen. I love that. I recently found meditation like within the last year and a half. Mm. So I meditate every morning minus the weekend. Sometimes on the weekends. It depends. But like usually um, five to six days a week I will meditate in the morning. Just 10 minutes. Like anything more than that. Like what does meditation look like for you? Okay. So this might be kind of funny. Some people might chuckle at this or maybe this is a good idea for some, like maybe this resonates with somebody else, but I use an app to meditate. Yeah. So what do I you use, use? I use Headspace. Mm, I love Headspace. So I, have I it love too. Andy. He says, 
hi, I'm Andy. And yeah. then he like gives you like a thought and mm-hmm. then, you know, he kind of sets a timer and he like helps remind you like, okay, like, like, go, like note, are you thinking? Are you feeling? Okay. Now return to the breath. Mm. And so he, they have like all sorts of different courses on there, like handling yeah. grief or, um, I don't know, like conscious eating. I'm in the or, middle of the appreciation oh, one right so now good. of just like enveloping yeah. the feeling of appreciation yeah. and bringing more of that into my daily life. I think I'm on day seven of 10 right yeah. now. Yes. Mm. Oh, uh, yeah. So I think meditation has been something that has, and you said it earlier, it wasn't that like, oh, um, being with yourself is overrated. It was like, oh, crap, being with myself is kind of scary. Yeah. And so that, um, yeah, meditation has, like, given me an opportunity to actually sit with myself. And, like, I'm not going anywhere. Yep. I'm just sitting there. I'm, and I'm just watching my thoughts. And sometimes I get lost in them. Sometimes I'm just sitting there for 10 minutes thinking. Yeah. And sometimes I'm like, oh, wow, like that thought keeps coming up. Like that must be something that like I'm worried or stressed about. Or like Mm -hmm. sometimes I can be like that observer of my thoughts. And it really is. um, Yeah, it's really it's helpful. I think another thing this might kind of sound funny, but another way that I feel like I meditate is running. Ooh, yeah, which absolutely. seems like the opposite of meditation. But like, man, I can go for a run and like it's just me. I'm just out there like feet hitting the pavement and like I'm just in my thoughts and like eventually like my body is too exhausted to like suppress the thoughts or like Uh or, or control my mind. And so then I just see where my mind goes. And um, sometimes I have like, I mean, actually often it's like the most flooded feeling of love or appreciation or sometimes it's like an overwhelming feeling of sadness and just being able to be like oh like that I guess that's the thing that I'm that I'm holding on to right now and so yeah I think journaling meditation running like those have been my tools Mm. and for you you feel like it's yeah well so affirmations or journaling Mm -hmm. is huge um meditation Well, I'm actually, I don't know. I'm the same as you. I think that moving your body is Mm -hmm. so important no matter what way you do that. I'm huge into yoga. I, my husband is awesome at running. So I've tried to be better at running. I also love swimming. Um, I've been, I've gotten into swimming in the last six months to a year maybe. And um, it's truly my favorite because I was never a swimmer. I always like made fun of myself that I was the doggy paddler in the pool. Like Mm -hmm. I was never confident in the water. Uh, Just growing up in Utah, I wasn't really surrounded by water very often. Uh, But my husband is from California and um, did swimming lessons from like four years old through high school, essentially. Uh, So, but yeah, in the last six months to a year, I've like I've watched a couple of YouTube videos on freestyling swimming and I'll get in the pool and I'll do it for one hour. I'll say I'm just going to swim for one hour. And I think that same way with you is that I get to a point with swimming that be- maybe it's because I'm not super uh, confident in the water or because I've not um, been competitively swimming or anything like that where I don't. I'm not good enough at it to think of other thoughts. Like I have to really focus on and swimming is interesting because secretly I have this panic attack that I'm not going to be able to breathe. And so I'm like constantly counting my strokes before I can like lift my head and Mm -hmm. like take my breath. And that's all that my mind can occupy. And so I do find swimming to be extremely therapeutic because 
it's only me and my breath and and my thoughts mm. maybe right it's yeah. it's uh mind over matter i'm learning yeah. because i don't think that i can do but then i then i do it and i feel a little bit better but yeah that um yeah that mind over matter i think is important and no matter how you find it it could be cooking or jujitsu or running or yoga or writing a song or writing a song so we have been working on putting this podcast together for a little while. We've met several times. Yeah. And at one point, you know, we're getting ready to like hit record and we're like, okay, oh crap. Like <laughs> I have some fears. Like I'm so really- So much fear. So much fear. So, so scary. much fear. And so we're like, okay, so we just sat down and we talked through our fears. We like, we wanted to name them. You know, we wanted to see like, okay, we're going to like pull these out of the shadows and we're going to say like, this is a thing that's like really scaring me. Yeah. Like sitting down and like broadcasting our private conversation for like anyone to hear. Right. And, um, and so as we're talking through our fears, we're like naming some things like number one, one of the things was like, okay, like we don't have control over who hears this message. Right. You know, it's so, like what, um, I don't know what judgments or what thoughts are people mm-hmm. going to, you know, say about like who we are. Yeah. Um, another message is like, well, here's the thing. We like want to talk about some real stuff and be super authentic. And in order to do that, we're going to have to like, I don't know, bring some skeletons out of the closet. Yeah. And that's really scary too. Kind of exposing ourselves, right? Yeah. Yeah. And not having control. This is like something we even talked about earlier today too. Like not yeah. having control over how people view us. Yes. Like, like, I can't control the story in your head. Yeah. But I want to. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. And so we're, like, talking through, like, um, some of these fears that we're feeling and, like, really nervous um, and, you know, like, apprehensive of, like, hitting the record button. And what was really funny is the message that we said to ourselves. Like, for me, it was like, okay, this is something I feel inspired to do and I want to do it. So, Carissa, you got to trust yourself. Do the thing. And for you, the message was... Nobody else is going to do this for you. Like, you got to do the work. Yeah, you just got to do it. Yeah. Real interesting. Like, this thing that we thought, like, oh, ourself from, like, three years ago really needs to learn this message. Yeah. And then, like, literally ourselves from today was like, oh, shoot. Are we sure we want to do this, Carissa? (laughs) Yeah. Literally, that's what I said. (laughs) Yeah. We just want to share a big thank you to everybody who helped make this episode possible. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you. Drop into our DMs. You can find us on Instagram at I totally relate pod. Or you can share your feedback and insights with us at I totally relate pod at gmail.com. We totally want to get to know you. See you next time. Peace out.